I would wake up at like three in the morning, get on a plane, fly to some other city in Saudi Arabia from the, from the capital, from where I was at, get, get a rental car, drive like six hours in the middle of absolutely nowhere with a guy that could not speak English. So you just sit there. And then you get out to these mining operations. It's like an aluminum mining operation, bauxite operation, in just the middle of nowhere. Nowhere, 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 nowhere. I mean, you didn't see a single person for four hours while you're driving out here. And it's just awesome because it, you're just like, it's hot, it's harsh, it's, it's, it's remote, and you're shooting something that's never, that no one has ever taken a picture of before. You're taking the first pictures of whatever you're looking at. It's like, you, you know, like Lewis and Clark, you're just like, you discovered this amazing, it, at least in, in most people would not view a mining operation in Saudi Arabia as like a beautiful place. But for me, it's super exciting. So just being able to go to that remote place and then getting paid for it was was wild. And just having the realization like, listen, a company halfway around the world found you to take their pictures. That means you were at the top of your game with what you do, which was pretty cool. It was like a little bit of validation um, you know, behind all the work I'd put in. Hello, everybody. It's Aaron Griffin. Let's get after it. I am so excited, as you can tell from that opening crawl from our guest today, Aaron Witt. Uh, just some fascinating stuff. And before I get to him, I just do want to say thank you so much for supporting these live discussion calls. Uh, this was actually an extra one we did this week. Uh, Aaron was available, uh, so we made ourselves available in our group of young professionals. We also had our call, as per usual, on Wednesday this week. Uh, and that audio is going to be released over the weekend. So make sure you take a look for that. That's with uh, Dr. Brett McCabe. Uh, from the University of Alabama uh, Department of Psychology, and he works with Nick Saban and some of the other uh, members of the athletic department down there. Um, and it was just a riveting conversation as as an entrepreneur and as a psychologist, and it has so much golden nuggets uh, for young professionals, young entrepreneurs. I, I cannot highly recommend that even more. Uh, so that'll be out over the weekend. Make sure you take a look for that. Uh, as for today, you guys are in for a treat. Aaron Witt, is the chief dirt nerd at BuildWit Media. And really, Aaron's on a mission to change the way the construction industry is really presented to the world and accelerate in a lot of the different ways that, quite frankly, the industry has fallen behind. Uh, Aaron's 25 years old. Two years ago, he left his corporate job. After leaving, after leaving school, he went into white the white-collar workforce, as he put it, and just frankly didn't find his way. Uh, and after two years, he's scaled now to over $2 million in annual revenue with Build Wit, uh, which is a media company really dedicated to making the dirt world a better place. I think you guys are going to be fascinated by his journey, uh, the impact that his company is making, and also his mission, and quite frankly, his humbleness and, and his ability to just really get, I mean, he got real with us in this uh, interview, which I'm so stoked to share with you. Uh, if you guys really find any value of this, please rate, review, subscribe. Helps us a ton. Share this with your friends. I really could not thank Aaron more for making the time to come on with us. I think you guys are really going to enjoy this. Let's get after it, people. I appreciate you having me on. Uh, this is pretty wild. I'm glad we could make this happen before I hit the road here. Um, I, I started out, I guess BuildWit is, is a media company that's dedicated our mission to making the dirt world a better place. So we just work with heavy construction, mining and demolition companies across the United States. And um, the blue collar world is really struggling to attract the next generation, attract people. So that's what we help all these companies with is um, help them with their brand, with their, their um, you know, uh, media work, with their HR work to get more people in the door. So, cause you have in the blue collar world, you know, everyone's rushing out to college. I went to college. 
and getting a degree and then going into white collar workforce. But the blue collar workforce is, is extremely fulfilling. You can make oftentimes a lot more money and um, it's just a really good group of people to work with, uh, but it's kind of being left in the dust. So that's what we help all these companies with um, is, is just getting themselves out there. Cause it's, I mean, marketing is, is common with a lot of the stuff we're used to, but in construction mining, there's never been cameras or anything on any of these sites. Most everyone has a website that was made in like 2008 and, and it's way behind. So I started out uh, just sharing a few pictures on social media. It took off. Now we have uh, 12 full-time employees and about 10 part-time contractors in, in two years and we're growing from here. Can you, can you kind of take me back to dude? So I, I look just looking into your story and we all watched the, the intro video you put out. Uh, oh, cool. Build Wit. But yeah. dude, tell me, take me back to, the time when you were getting out of school and you're in Houston and you leave your job to start a company that you have absolutely no plan as to what to do. What, tell me, tell me about how it even came about that I'm going to start a company and leave my gig. Yeah. I, I always wanted to start a company. I was, I, I, I was fortunate enough to be raised around a lot of very wealthy people. So I were friend's dad was somebody. So you got to see all these very powerful people. And, and I kind of was like, I mean, I want that. And how do you do that? I, well, you start a business because that's what all these guys did. So I knew I was going to do that. Um, I figured out early on after working on a ranch for a while that I wanted to do something I really enjoyed. So I found construction, uh, started out as a laborer when I was 18 years old, right out of high school, uh, went to college for engineering, worked for five different construction companies while I was in school because the plan was to start a construction company. So I was going to work as, for as many construction companies as I could, see how as many people did it as possible. And then once I got a few years under, under my belt out of college, I, I'd start my own, like maybe 28 years old or something like that. And so I went to work out of college, um, got a construction engineering degree, went to work for a contractor out in Texas. And uh, after a few months, a software company in Houston called me and said, hey, we see what you're doing on social media. And I guess I, I should explain why I start posting on social media. So I started, I had, all these construction experiences, all these pictures on my phone, all these videos. And I noticed no one in the construction industry was actually sharing anything. So there was no pictures or videos or anything about the industry really online. And I had, had all of them on my phone. I wanted to take advantage of social media. So I was looking at like, well, I could post pictures of mountains, like the other few million people on social media are, maybe it'll take off. Or I have all these truck pictures on my phone and there's no truck pictures. So I think this might work. Uh, it, it, it was a slow burn, but it really took off. So by the time I was working in construction out of school, I was reaching, you know, maybe a hundred thousand people a week online. This software company in, in Houston found me and called me, said, Hey, we have this program called I build America. Uh, we want you to run it. Uh, it's about inspiring the next generation and, and you will give you a budget and it'll be awesome. And I was like, man, that's awesome. So I quit my job in, uh, Fort Worth after four months, I was supposed to be there for two years. Broke my lease, uh, moved down to Houston two weeks later, started at HCSS, which is a software company, construction software company. And uh, after about four months, I just got tired of it. I was just kind of sitting there eating lunch on like a Tuesday. And I just thought, I don't even want to be here anymore. I'm just, it's just not working. I'm uh, trying to run, run uphill here. I mean, it, it, the, the leadership group there and, and myself, we just didn't see eye to eye. They wanted the traditional, let's go high school to high school to high school. And go make coloring books and this and that to inspire the next generation. I'm sitting there. I'm like, I could go reach a few million people myself as just a kid for free using the internet. So why don't we do this? 
So I got fed up one day, um, just quit out of nowhere, told my boss, hey, I'm done Friday. And my boss at now, he, he works for us full time, which is pretty cool. Um, but yeah, told him I was done Friday, quit my job, moved back to Arizona, moved back into my dad. So I didn't have to pay rent or anything like that. And, uh, figured I'm going to have to start the company somehow. So kind of started from, from nothing, uh, started calling companies up saying, Hey, can I come take pictures on your sites? And can I help share stuff on social media for your company and this and that, and got a little bit of money starting out that way. And then, uh, just grew from there. And <clears throat> I have, this is all, by the way, the whole group, 18 to 30 year old young professionals, right? Take us through, dude, leaving your gig, leaving your job. Was it just, you reached a point of absolutely fed up with it because you knew there was something else that you could do? Did you know exactly where you were going to dive in? Well, it's like a, there's a fallacy that you have to have everything figured out before you jump into it or you have to have a plan. I had no plan. There was no business plan. There was no side income. There was nothing. And I was fortunate. I, I worked all the way through college. So I'd saved up a lot of money and had scholarships. So I had a little bit of a savings and then I could move in with my dad. So there was no risk and, and I don't have a family to feed. I don't have kids. I, there was, there was really no downside. And the motivation there was, I kind of asked myself, like, do I want to be here tomorrow? Do I want to come into this office tomorrow? And the answer was no. So after I figured that, I was like, why am I coming in tomorrow? <laughs> if I don't want to be here, I just need to get out. And then from there, it'll create this ridiculous sense of urgency because now I don't have income and now I have to figure it out. And, um, and so that's kind of how it, I guess my mindset was. So there wasn't a plan. I was not making any money with BuildWit. I, I, I kind of had, had built it over a year. So at that time, you know, there were, we were reaching a few hundred thousand people a week with, with what we were doing and the pictures we were doing. But that was it. There wasn't, there wasn't anything else there. So, so construction industry, as you just, you kind of laid it out, like uh, in terms of the recruiting challenge, a lot of it is, I'm assuming it's because we did, um, I worked at the company, student painters. I, I worked with student painters for four years. I scaled the division. A lot of these guys worked with student painter. A few of the good amount of these guys did work with uh, them as well. What I found about contracting, a lot of it is generational, right? A lot of yeah. people, have been in uh, the contracting industry for a while. Um, what exactly, how are you received in the industry at first? And does it make much of a difference now that you have quote unquote a following on social media? Does that make much of a difference when you're going in cold to work with companies? And if you wouldn't mind, uh, pull the veil back. What do you do when you get into a company now? Cause it's more than just media, right? You guys do a lot of work for different companies, right? Yeah. Yeah. We started, like I said, just with social media and pictures. Cause I mean, all I had to do is buy a camera. So really low barrier to entry. Uh, but now we're doing HR systems. We're doing headhunting. We just built a recruiting platform. We're doing business development, websites, paid advertising, all sorts of stuff. So we're, we're growing, we're basically trying to solve all their problems, but for a very specific group of customers. Um, the initial sales pitch was, or sales process was really not so much selling my product because my product didn't exist. I didn't have any results I could reference saying, hey, I did X, Y, Z for this company. It was more so, hey, I'm this young kid. I have this vision. I believe that the industry and the world needs to go in this direction and you should hire me to do this. And, and so it was more so me selling the owner or it really was just me and the owner of companies because that's the unique thing about construction companies is it is generational. It is very, it's very fragmented. 
So every city has different big construction companies. There's not one big construction company that dominates the entire United States, like a like an Apple, Microsoft, a Ford. There's nothing like that in construction. So it's you, just a kid sitting down with the owner of the company and saying, you know, hey, this is how I can make your company better. And uh, early on, it was just you were just selling selling yourself, selling your vision, people by people. So I was really just selling what I thought was the the way the industry needed to go. And uh, a lot of the younger owners bought into it. All the older owners, you know, the old 50, 60 year old guys um, that have been doing it for 40 years and want to do it, do it their way. At first, I tried to kind of convince them to see what I see, but I just learned that they're just, I'm not going to convince them. So um, I stopped beating my head against the wall, stopped trying to sell people on, on um, stuff that they don't want to be sold on. And then instead just tried to chase after the people that already get it. So I don't even have to explain what we're trying to do. They already understand the value. They just need someone to execute on it. So the, the social media following is never the goal. I've never aimed to go get a bigger following. I've never done any of the tricks or anything like that. It's just kind of happened because uh, our storytelling, I think, is, is high quality. Our pictures are high quality. We go on a lot of crazy adventures all over the United States. I travel every week. And, uh, and, and now people like you, you found us on LinkedIn. We don't approach any companies anymore. They just find us on LinkedIn or Instagram or Facebook or one of their employees sees us and then sends it to corporate and say, Hey, check these guys out. And then you have the owner of the company calling you the next day saying, Hey, I see what you guys are doing for other companies. I want you to do it for me too. So that's our sales process is I don't, we don't do any advertising, no marketing, nothing. And uh, they just find us via social media, which is pretty wild. I love it. And uh, you know, um, I, if you guys, by the way, in the chat, let's start throwing some, if you guys have some questions, start throwing them in and we'll get to them in a moment. Two more things for you, Aaron, from just for me, um, tell us a little bit about how has construction been impacted just within actually even take a step back your business. You just launched a podcast. Did that have anything to do with COVID and everything? How has your business been impacted by COVID? And also tell us about this next five weeks. You're going on a huge trip. I would assume it's probably not out of the ordinary. I assume you're just doing all these crazy things all the time. What are you doing when you're doing on these crazy trips and how has construction been impacted by what's going on with the pandemic? Yeah, construction is, uh, it, it's really not that impacted right now. I mean, everyone's flat out. You, it's, it's, that's what I love about what we do in supporting construction and mining companies is it's fundamental to society. No one can live without being able to turn the faucet on in the morning, turn the lights on, drive to work, get on an airplane to go visit grandma. I mean, use your phone. It's all back to mining and construction infrastructure. It's just fundamentals of society. So you can't just turn that off. It doesn't work that way. So all the companies we work with for the most part are still working flat out right now. Um, and all mines, they still work 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year, not interrupted whatsoever. So it is cool to serve such fundamental and essential, quote unquote, essential industries, which has been cool. Uh, we've been really affected because, like I said, travel is huge, a huge part of what we do. I'm on the road every single week. I did like 35 states last year. Um, we're doing, we usually, I mean, some weeks we'll do five to seven states in a single week with what we do and how spread out we are. Uh, so we've had to cancel a lot of trips and, and take some time to just hang out for a little bit. So I've been at home for six weeks, which has been the longest period I've been home since I started the company. And uh, it, it was either you could, you can look at it like, well, this sucks and I'm screwed and I'm going to lose a bunch of money or, all right, now I have six un uninterrupted weeks to go kick some ass to, 
put some, uh, uh, you know, uh, gasoline on some fires that I've been neglecting over some time and actually make some, ha- make some things happen. So with that mindset, and I've tried to instill that in our team, I mean, we've had our most productive six weeks in company history. We had record profit by two times over last, last month. This month is looking just the same. We've closed deals during COVID and, and everything. So it's just, we just put our head down and just get to work. You can't control what's going on in the world. You can control what's right in front of you and what you can touch. And that's that. And then we've also used it as an opportunity just to be there for all the companies we work with. I've just been on the phone, on the phone, on the phone, calling every owner of every company I know. How are you doing? Tell me about, tell me about how you're affected. What can I do for you? And just, just, just saying, Hey, I'm here. Like, just let's talk about this. How is it? How is it, you know, affecting you? And I've had guys like just nearly in tears because, you know, they've had to lay off their entire workforce or whatever it may be because some people have been affected. And uh, it's just been a really good opportunity just to be there for people. So uh, it's been nothing but nothing but good for a company. I mean, six weeks ago, it looked really scary. You know, millions of people are going to die this and that. As weeks have gone on, the data has gotten less and less and less and less scary. So now I can sit there and be like, all right, now it's time to go back to work. I've, I've put in my time. I've done my social responsibility. Now's the time to go back to work. So that's why we're going to start traveling again next week. We're actually going to do a road trip, though, which is why it's five weeks. I would normally do a five-week trip. We're going to do a road trip, so there's no exposure to other people while we're traveling, like like airlines, even though no one's on airlines right now. I wish I could be flying because it'd be awesome. I could sit wherever I wanted to uh, and no lines and security. But we're going to do a road trip. We think we can do it safely, responsibly, social distanced. Um, the the industries we work in are already social distanced naturally, so we'll be, we'll be safe and fine. We're going to go visit, I think, 23 states nine companies in 23 states uh, in the next five weeks, which is real exciting. So you just got to do what you got to do. You're just getting after it. I love it. Um, yeah, no choice. You know, Aaron, you have uh, just uh, looking at, in fact, I'm actually just going to share this guy. So him on, on LinkedIn, one of his, this is one of your most recent viral posts. I absolutely love this. Society teaches us this is the poor man. He should have gone to college when they see a photo like this. You got this guy underneath this heavy piece of heavy machinery Oddly enough, I know a whole lot more miserable people who had degrees and work in offices and do than lay or uh, wear coveralls and lay in mud. I absolutely, and then you plug your podcast. I mean, there's a lot more to this, and it absolutely blew up on LinkedIn. And I, I it's less so about the message, but I think one of the challenging things for any young person coming out of school is trying to figure out themselves. And I think a lot of times they see what other people are doing and they try to judge them and, and try to figure out what exactly they're doing. How have your relationships, because I would assume with working, like, like when I was painting, like, I mean, look, there's, there's a thing with like construction and contracting. It's almost like it's just a different world in the sense of people almost don't even see themselves potentially being a part of it. How have your relationships with your friends, but also new relationships you forged, how have those changed since getting out of school versus what most of maybe the people that you knew when you first got out of school how have the people around your life changed as you've grown your business? Yeah, I mean, I have a, a lot of new friends now, and most of those friends are the owners of the companies we work with. Like I said, I'm just in a really unique position where I'm dealing with the owner of the company, and um, I don't believe in the, 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 the line of thought that you can't be friends with people you work with and do business with. So I'm in the you know, uh, friendship category. You know, If you're not screwing them, they're not screwing you. Why not be friends? So I'd consider myself friends with most of the companies that pay us to do their work, which has been awesome. And it's really cool to have other people that 
also own companies that I can call up. Like I had a people problem the other day. There, we have this one guy that's just kind of been a pain in the ass and, and it's getting to the point where it's like, you know, it, it might be time to tell him to, to get on down the road. So I just called up, you know, one of the owners of the companies we work with. Hey, what do you think about this? And I have advice, you know, real genuine advice from a guy that's been there in 15 minutes, which is really cool. And so I have this huge group of uh, resources and, and even cooler than that, we're, we're the neutral party behind between all these companies and we don't work with direct competitors with, with one another. So we've been able to work with companies across the United States. We're in over 25 States. And uh, so you get all these owners of, of all these construction companies and we actually have a meeting twice a year where we invite all of them. We had our last one in Nashville. This one was supposed to be in Scottsdale. It was postponed because of COVID, but we have all the owners of every company we work with at a meeting together. So we meet during the day, talk about workforce development talk about finances, all this and that. And then everyone basically gets drunk at night and, and forms friendships that way too. So it's, it's pretty cool being able to bring so many really talented, brilliant people together. And a lot of these people are, are leading companies that, you know, over a thousand employees that they own hundred percent themselves, you know, hundred millions, hundreds of millions in revenue. And they've been doing it for 40 years. And they're the most honest people you'll ever meet. Um, and, and I guess with like personal relationships, just, a business consumes a lot of time. Um, so it is tough to balance relationships. And even I, 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 to this day, I struggle just making time to call my mom. I've been having to like make a mental note every week, like call your mother, call your mother, call your mother. Cause it's, you, I'll just get on the road and, and just go and I'll be in 10 different States in a week. And I'm not going to think to, to call my mom, but it's, it's trying to just take a little bit of time to, to get back to, to the way life used to be. But it's been hard, and, and I definitely don't hang out with people as much as I'd like to. Uh, but, but the thing is, I just don't uh, – sometimes I don't want to hang out with people. I just kind of want to work. I, I like what I do, and, and not saying you can't hang out with people or this and that, but it's just like I kind of just want to go home and, and do what I was doing or, or uh, work on whatever I was working on because it's just – it's a lot of fun what we get to do. And then the travel's tough, too. You're never really home. I mean, last summer I was home maybe three, four nights, four nights a month. Uh, so it's a lot of time on the road, but again, I'm 25, I have nothing better to do. So I'm willing to make that trade off and, and pay, kind of pay that tax now so that when I have a family, when I have kids, I can spend a little bit more time with them, you know, as they grow up. Love that. Love that. I have a uh, great questions in the chat. I'm going to throw it over to these guys. I'm actually going to steal Allison Bernal's real quick and kind of forge it into my own just to close this up, Aaron. Uh, overview of your business though. She's asking if you just celebrated about three years in business. How many team members do you have? How many clients? Give us just an overview of where you were at and where you're at now with your business. And yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, it was, we're just over two years now. Uh, first year we did about $150,000. Um, this year we'll be doing over 2 million. So it's been a lot of growth real fast. Um, we just hired three more people. So we're at 12 full-time now and about 10 part-time contractors. By the end of this year, we think we're going to be at around 20 full-time. So we've been able to grow real fast, um, hire a real diverse group of people. Um, we, we work with probably 25 companies from, we draw the line at, at about 10 million in annual revenue up to companies that do about a billion a year. So um, we've been fired quite a few times, which has been a lot of learning. So there's probably 10, 15 companies that we used to work with that we don't work with anymore for all sorts of reasons, all sorts of lessons. Uh, but now we have a group of like that 20, 25 companies that is just rock solid. I mean, I would, I would work for any of them. So that's, I guess that's kind of the litmus test. I want to work for people that I'd want to work for. 
And uh, like I said before, we do a lot of um, website work, a lot of branding work, a lot of video, photo, social media, paid advertising. And then now we're doing headhunting, HR systems, uh, business development, that kind of thing to just, I guess, uh, the goal is to find these dirt world companies. We just work with heavy construction, mining, uh, demolition. So very, very specific group of companies. And we turn probably 90% of the companies that reach out to us and, and ask us to work with them away for that reason, because they just don't fit within our, 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 our area of expertise. And then once we found that, that select few companies, we want to just solve their problems. So whatever their problems are, we're just going to figure out how to solve them. And do we know how to headhunt? No, we don't know how to headhunt, but I can go find someone that does and we can figure it out. Did I know how to build websites? Absolutely not. I still don't. Yet we've done probably 15 of them. I, I just have people that understand how to do it. I don't need to know how to do it. And uh, so that's, that's how we've done it. I've just, I've, I've consciously said, I don't need to know how to do everything. I just want to find real smart people, sell my vision because they're, it's, it's like selling a, a customer on, we call them partners because we want to be so integrated in their business. They can't just get rid of us. We're, I mean, we're partners with them when they're hurting, we're hurting when they're doing well, we're doing well. Um, but it, it's like selling a partner on my business. It's like people that work for us selling, selling them on the vision. Hey, this is where we're going. Hey, this is where we're going. Hey, this is where we're going. And if you get the team marching in the same direction, you don't need to know how to do everything. They can handle all sorts of things that, that you don't have any, any business in doing. I love this. Aaron, you're so humble, dude. <laughs> you cracked me up, man. You are so humble in what you want to do and you want to work. Right. Alex, yeah. Alex Drinka, you want to ask your question? Yeah. So far, I just want to say I love your story, Aaron. It's awesome. But I don't know much about construction companies in, in general. I just know that the newer generations like Gen X, Millennials, are really care about sustainability. So how much, I want to know how much of your branding mythology is focused on that. And if it's not really that, then what is it centered around across, you know, as a generalization between the companies you work with? Um, what is it centered around the branding to get the ge new generation to become interested in this line of work? Yeah. So the construction industry is behind in just about every regard. So like I said, they're behind in marketing, they're behind in everything else from sustainability, environmental impact to, I mean, just women, like most every, it's just mostly white men that's in the construction industry, which is a problem in itself. Um, it's, it's getting there. So that's actually a, a particular focus we're going to pursue pretty soon is just the environmental aspect of, and start telling, just, just start simple telling stories about what companies are doing from an environmental aspect to better the environment because they are doing great things. And even if the construction industry is a little behind, um, there still is amazing things going on as far as the environment goes. It's not all just like bulldozing trees like people think it is. Um, but the real sales pitch to people our age is I've seen a lot of my friends, they go get jobs and they're just stuck in office doing bullshit for 40 hours a week, totally miserable, look forward to Friday and, and, and then leave. They don't even know what they're doing. They don't know what they're contributing to society. It's just, it's just mindless. This industry, it offers so many tangible benefits that most of these industries can't touch. You can see your work at the end of every day. You bust your ass. And whenever you bust your ass, you feel really good about what you do after. Because like our generation's been taught hard work's a bad thing, when in reality, it's the complete opposite. Whatever you've, you're most proud of in life is probably what you've worked hardest on. Or you go mow the lawn you drink a beer after that beer is going to taste really good because you just bust your ass and now you can see the product, see your hard work and you can enjoy it. That's what the construction initially provides every single day. So you're building stuff, you're working outside, you're working on different projects every day. There's different problems to solve every single day. You're working with a team of people. That's, that's like a, a, a real family. 
because when you're working so hard together, it, it creates bonds. It's like, it's not quite, you know, military status, but, but it really is those, those family bonds with, with those you work with. There's no political correct nonsense. Like some of the stuff you hear out in the field, you can't say anywhere else in society, which, you know, is that always a good thing? No, but it makes it a lot of fun when you're telling your bo boss to go screw himself and he's telling you to screw yourself back. Like you just can't find that in society elsewhere. And then there's the, there's a higher purpose to it. A lot of people, they just show up at work, get a paycheck, go home. There's no purpose to what they do. Whereas in construction, you're giving this entirely new neighborhood water. You're, you're, you're building a new community. You're building a new highway so people can get to work and drop their kids off at school. Or you're, you're helping at an airport so people can go see their, their families on Christmas. So there's a really, really enormous purpose to it. So that's the pitch. It's not really appealing to the environmental or, or um, you know, like the uh, diversity, you know, not those pitches because it's just not there yet. It's going to be there, but just not there yet. It's instead appealing to, hey, working is a really good thing. It's not for everybody, but if, if, if you've worked in the past and you enjoy it, you might want to try this out. So that's, that's somewhat of the sales pitch. Yeah, thank you. I think that resonated with a lot of us as we have a bit of blue collar work under our belts. <laughs> Perfect. You know, uh, Matt, Monjet's got a question that's kind of related to your background. Matt, you want to throw it at him? Yeah, Aaron, thanks for being here. And I think you actually kind of just answered it. Um, but yeah, I was just curious. I mean, you said you started out like less than three years ago. I mean, you went to school for uh, engineering, I believe. And, and my question was more so like how much of the technical skills did you actually have when you started? I mean, I think you said that you really just had the camera and then like, you know, the knowledge of just social media and just getting that out there and having the awareness to do that. Um, but where it's evolved into where you're talking about doing these HR systems and building websites, it sounds like you're onboarding the people to do that. But um, I guess like, how did that kind of evolve? Like, what did you start with? And like, really, how much did you know in that regard? Yeah, the knowledge I lean on is my knowledge from working in the field. Like I worked as a as a, a laborer on a pipe crew my first summer in you know Arizona in, in the summer it's it's not not fun. It's it's really really hot. Uh, second summer again pipe pipe layer. Third summer on the railroad out in Southern California, which sounds fun, but again it's 120 degrees. You're in the middle of the desert and you're waking up at 2:30 in the morning every every day. You know, and our work was around the clock seven days a week. Uh, and then I worked, went to work quarrying, drilling and blasting up in Washington state, and then went to work in road construction. That was the knowledge I built the business off of because their biggest complaint was they just don't understand what we do. They don't speak our language. And so that is what our differentiator is. We speak the language. We understand what, what they do because this is all we do. This is what, this is what I love. This is what I, I live and breathe just like they do. So we're peers. We're not this agency that also does jewelry stores and car dealerships and all this other nonsense, which is what a most, most other agencies do. Um, so that was, the, that was the knowledge and background and technical ability that I relied on when I started. And then just my love for all this and, and my, my excitement and passion for, for getting after it and, and seeing all these sites and meeting the, the people I do. But as far as technical ability is, is taking pictures, I have no training in taking pictures. I did not really understand. I don't even, I still don't even understand my camera. I tell people it does three basic things, aperture, shutter speed, ISO. Those are the only things I touch. I don't mess with anything else. So when people are asking me my settings, I tell them like, I don't know. And they think I'm like being an asshole and just don't want to talk to them. It's like, I, I don't know. I really don't know. Um, 
so uh, nothing on photo. I hate video, so I refused to do video until I could ha afford a videographer. Uh, even though people were saying, you need to do video, you need to do video. I was like, I just hate it. I don't want to do it. So I've just done photos. I've uh, hired a videographer. I don't know anything about graphic design. If it, it you know, it takes me uh, probably three hours to figure out how to Photoshop my head onto something else in Photoshop. Um, nothing about websites. So there's there's no technical ability across the board. I do have just a good understanding of dollars, um, which I've been able to leverage. I, I can I, I can manage money very well. I, I understand how business works and how dollars work. So I, I do have that ability, but um, I, I don't have any technical abilities. Um, Aaron, I am uh, very curious. I actually have two things I just thought of. One is just one of your, I, I'd be, I think we'd all be curious just to hear the, the biggest horror story from your business. Cause I can think of one, of the, I'm definitely going to bomb this in terms of the accuracy of it. But I remember one where you shared, it was, uh, um, some kind of screw up with your credit cards and your credit cards were declined and you were stuck somewhere and every single card was not working. It was all your business's cards until you found a personal card and eventually worked. And I'm definitely underselling that story because it was way better yeah. when I read about it. Tell me, because we've all, most of us have dabbled in running our own businesses. Give us a horror story, man. Give us like the craziest thing happened in the lesson that came out of it. I, I forgot about that one. That's a good one. I mean, when you travel, all sorts of bad things happens all the time. So um, I used to be the one that tried to plan everything, but now I don't plan anything. So I'm just like, I'll just, just, however it happens, it happens. If I have to spend the night at the airport, so be it, you know, whatever. Uh, it beats, it beats that aspect out of you real quick. But, uh, yeah, I was flying to Indianapolis to go, to go meet with one of our partners. It's uh, they're a tunneling contractor. So they just do tunneling work, really, really unique line of work. And, uh, I, I showed up late night, you know, you, you fly in on a Sunday night and I try to leave kind of late so I can spend as much time at home on Sunday before I have to leave again for the week, get into the Indianapolis airport at about uh, midnight, um, go down to go get my rental car, just like I do, you know, every, every week, no big deal, go to get my rental car. And they say, you know, Hey, your, your credit card's not working. So it's like, Oh no, it's, it's fine. Just, just swipe again. Like, no, it's, it's really not working. So I'm like, Oh shit because you need a credit card to pick up a rental car you can't use a debit card so i call the credit card company and this is like 12 31 a.m you know um, early early monday morning at the indianapolis airport and uh call american express and they say yeah you owe us you know fifty thousand dollars and i'm sitting there i'm like what like i don't have fifty thousand like are you kidding me i thought i could just delay my payments on american express and just just carry a balance when in reality that's not how American Express works you have to pay it off every month I didn't know that so I was just like oh I'll just turn off the payments for a month because I'm going to get some money you know in a few weeks and I'll be able to pay it off um, but that's again that's just not how it works so the lady was not at all helpful she was like you I, I can turn it on right now if you give me $50,000 right now I'm like listen lady I have about $5,000 in my account so there's no way in hell and she's like yep sorry I can't do that and by the way we need it within a week or else your card's done so I'm like son of a bitch. So fortunately, I had a uh, personal credit card that I always stash away in my luggage that I would use to be able to get the card. Um, but that to get the car, I got the car. And then I did not sleep that entire night because I needed to come up with uh, it was more than that I was probably like $65,000 in, in just a few days. And so I was just going through my head, like, how the hell am I going to come up with this much money? How the hell am I going to come up with this much money? And 65,000, uh, you know, a year before that was my annual salary. And I needed to find it in just a few days. 
Uh, and we found it, and, but that was a lesson in cash flow because if your money runs out, no one gives a shit. They want, they want to get paid and, and they don't care. So um, that it, a huge blessing in disguise because we totally changed the way we collect money. We collect a lot more upfront. We offer slight discounts if, if companies will pay for the entire year. So they get, they get a, a big discount, uh, which is less than what it would take for us to borrow money. And then we get their money up front, which is real nice. So we've been able to do a lot of that and to keep cash flow in check. And, and now I've created five different safeguards, so that won't happen again. But you have to go through, you know, just running out of money and the credit card company telling you to go pound sand to figure that out, unfortunately. I love that. Chris, you got, you got a good question. You want to throw it at him? I do, Aaron. Thanks for being with us. So this question, I actually have a uh, good friend of mine um, that uh, flipped a house with me in Detroit about three years ago. And he's been, he works for Siemens. It's a company that does some, it's some type of construction company. I don't know much about him, but he's not really too enthused with it. And he wants to start his own construction company. So I'm wondering, you know, you work with all these guys that are younger, they've got these construction companies started. How did they start? Because I think he's a little, um, doesn't really know how to get it going. So how did they get their companies going? I mean, just like you, at such a young age, how did you get this company going um, from nothing, essentially? And what would you yeah, do for him? With, with all these guys, it's really just a common theme. They just got sick of where they were working and quit. <laughs> I mean, it's, yeah. most, of, most, most everyone did not have any kind of plan whatsoever. No, like, no plan. Um, and, and the nice thing about, you know, in, in our world, it revolves around heavy equipment. The cool thing is you can go, you can go finance a piece of heavy equipment. Like you can finance a car. So you need to put like, you know, sometimes no money down and then you can push payments off for 60 days. So you can go pick up a piece of equipment for no money down. And, 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 uh, you know, maybe you put your, you, you, you personal, personally guarantee it or something like that. And that's how they start. So like my friend, Dylan Stevens, he now has they'd probably do 40, 50 million a year. He started with a skid steer and you just, you just go finance a skid steer, get a truck, pull it behind a trailer, go grade driveways, try to get whatever work you can. And then try to go get, you know, he, then he got another job that was way too big for his company, but the, he didn't say that he was like, Oh yeah, no, I can do this. No problem. Like warehouse, warehouse pad. Yeah, absolutely. Meanwhile, he's grading driveways with the skid steer. There's no way you could do it. But then you just put yourself in that situation where you're like, well, I just have to figure it out. It's, it's either a figure out or look like an asshole and this all fails. So um, it's, it's, I think it's like that common theme of, of just putting themselves in situations where they just have to figure it out. It's just life or death. Or another guy like Mike Reed, he has 800 employees now in Alabama. And uh, he started in like 1978 with a dump truck. So he bought a dump truck. He worked at the paper mill, saved up $10,000 to go buy a dump truck found an opportunity to go drive his dump truck at the local army base and he would haul around the clock. So he would do about 18 hours and then have his uncle take over for the other six. So he didn't lose money while he was sleeping. And then he'd get back in the truck and then do it another 18. And that's, I mean, and then that's just how he did it. So just, just little by little by little. And he, he took all the jobs that no one else wanted to do. So cleaning out, you know, at sugar plants and mucking ponds and this and that. And now he's the only contractor in the city of Huntsville. I mean, it just, just dominates. Everything has read contracting on the side of it now. Um, so, but it was, it just came down to putting himself in situations that were really uncomfortable where he had to figure it out life or death and you just figure it out. So there's just, there's so much power in putting yourself in a position where it's, there's a little bit of desperation and a little bit of fear because I think fear is a great motivator. 
it's like, I'm scared shitless to this day. I mean, I'm scared shitless right now. It's like our business is doing well, but that doesn't mean anything. I mean, COVID who, who knows? I, it's all could end tomorrow. That's all these restaurants eight weeks ago were having, they had record profits and now they're, most of them are going out of business. Um, so it's, it's, I think it really comes down to just acknowledging that it's going down this road is just wasting more and more time and procrastinating and putting yourself into a situation where you just have to make it happen. And, um, and, and, you know, running a company is not for everybody either. So if you're in a job that you hate, you know, maybe you can start a company or maybe you can use it as motivation to go to another company that has a mission and values and team that you align with and does, you know, has a higher purpose to it. And, and that that's perfectly fine too. Mm-hmm. Awesome, Aaron. Thanks so much. Yep. Hey, Aaron, uh, I'm going to have Dana ask her question. It's, uh, it, 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 it is, this will be good, Dana. I'll throw it over to you. In your there you Thank you so much for being with us. It's been interesting hearing everything. Um, like Aaron said, most of us have had experience of running your own business, um, but not quite to the extent that you have um, going right now. So what has been your biggest lesson in becoming an entrepreneur and going back to like when you first started, what's one thing you would do differently now that you know like your failures and triumphs? Um, I think it's like the, especially for this group, I guess one of the bigger lessons is that your age does not matter at all. People, people ask me like, so, you know, what's it like leading people that are are twice your age? It's just a non-issue for me. It's they, you know, I believe in my vision wholeheartedly. I believe in what I'm trying to do. And I know it's going to make the world a better place. I know I'm not screwing people. I know there's you know, for every dollar I receive, I'm delivering multiple, multiple of that in value to all these companies. And, and I really, really believe in what we're doing. And if I do that, I'm, I'm a capable leader. I'm capable at, at, at leading all these people. And so I've just treated my age as a non-issue. I don't know if that's been a concern of anybody's in this group, but I get asked that a lot by a lot of people is, is so what, what's it like, you know, being, 25 and doing this it's like I don't even think about that I just I ignore it it's 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 never been an issue I've never been disrespected or anything by anyone older because it's they they know that my heart's in the right place I'm trying to do what's right I'm taking care of them they're going to take care of me so um I wouldn't let age become a become an issue ever especially for a young group like this it's it's for me it's been a non-issue and I don't think it'll ever be an issue um as far as lessons go yeah I guess one of uh, I don't I don't have any I I really don't have any regrets I I really I'm very very happy with where we're at and I sleep very well at night I I really don't stress about about what we have going on because I'm not screwing people I'm treating people right you know I'm doing business to great people um the we got we got fired by basically our best client like a year and a half ago now maybe like 14 months ago, they, we invested a lot in them. We grew with them. We, we really helped them get their business off the ground. They helped us get our business off the ground and they just, they're now a hundred million dollar company in three years. What they've done is unbelievable. And we helped them for the first year and a half of that. And uh, they, they wanted to go in a different direction abruptly. They hired one of our guys to go do what we were doing for them internally without telling us. So it was like, it was like my girlfriend broke up with me abruptly. It was just like, like, you're just a pit in your stomach. You're just like, Oh God, that hurts. And, um, 
I wanted to play victim or this and that, like, screw those guys. They can go, they can go pound sand. Um, but it was, it was a, a really good lesson that taught me you want to do business with people that you align with. And, and it's just not like trading your money to, to do business with people with different, different values. It's just not, not worth it. So they had different set of values. The owner of that company, he sees things differently. He treats people differently. He, he operates his business differently. We were never going to work out. And, and so now I'm really careful with who I do business with because I want to see eye to eye with them. I want to uh, value the same things that they value. I want to take care of them. I want to be sure that they're going to take care of me. I don't want there to be a trust issue there. And I don't want to be like, I don't want them feeling like I'm screwing them and them screwing me. So that, that was one thing is, is choose who you do business with very, very wisely. Don't just trade money uh, and don't just go get business to get business. It's just, it's not always worth it. Like I said, we turned a lot of money down just for that reason, because to, to avoid those headaches. And then the other lesson in that was um, we just wanted to become irreplaceable. So I did not want to become a cost that they could just cut. I was, I, I wanted to become so damn valuable to whatever organization I work with that they like even right now. And I was telling my team this yet today, even right now where people are looking at every single dollar they're spending because of the current situation, we're not on that cutting block. We're not even looked at as an option to cut. We're part of their business, just like the right-hand man is at the same, at the same time. So from there, we really uh, diversified to solve a lot of their different problems and work in a lot of different areas of their business rather than just one. So we're really, we're really uh, careful with not going outside of our, our niche with you know, just the dirt world but at the same time, we solve a lot of their problems. So it's, it's really focused, but also kind of broad at the same time. So these companies, they just can't get rid of us, which is a great thing because that means we're delivering them a ton of value. But I guess those were the two lessons I learned in that is do, do business with people that, that share the same values as you do. And, and, and to that point, even further, identify what your values even are. What do you value? What's important to you? Um, you know, how do you want to do business? How do you view money? How do you view leading people? What are your views on all those things? Identify, you know, your values and, and make sure that, that those align with those other people and, um, you know, create a situation in which you're just irreplaceable. They, they can't afford to get rid of you because you're making them so much better. And that's, I mean, that's why we've been able to grow so fast is we just put them first, just automatically, whatever's best for them is best for us. So we spend a ton of money that we, that we might not, that might be irresponsible investing in these companies, just doing the right thing without asking them, without worrying about what it's going to cost us. Cause we just know if we do the right thing over and over and over again, it'll end up making us money because you don't have to be a nonprofit to make the dirt or, you know, the world a better place, the dirt world, like we call it, you can go make a ton of money while you make, make the world a better place too. But it's, it's putting it after. And, and I mean, I'm the lowest paid at the company too, for a reason. I mean, I'm paying my dues now. I don't need that money right now. I'm investing to other people. I'll see it down the road. I'll get a hell of a raise down the road. I don't know when that's going to be, but I don't care about that. I just, I have, I have confidence that it'll be there one day, but I'm focused on just reinvesting that money in, in other people and other things before I see, I see any of it. Right on. Right on, right on. Uh, Mr. LaJoy, you have a question. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you've covered so many things. You kind of started to answer it, man. First of all, I respect the shit out of what you're doing. You're doing it the right way. You're so passionate about it, dude. It's so cool what you've been saying. So awesome stuff. Um, my, my question was kind of, and you kind of touched on it with the uh, age thing, but I was going to talk about, you know, so many people have that initial mental obstacle of being able to believe that they can actually add value to this person's life, that they can actually come in here and do the job right and get it done. 
And for so many people, they refuse to take that leap of faith and do it. Whereas you said, like, you know, you were just so committed to making it happen for them. There was no way that end result wasn't going to happen, even though you didn't have these technical skills, you didn't have these camera skills, but you were still just so committed to it. So like, at what point did you, did that just switch for you where that it wasn't an obstacle anymore and you really overcame that for the last time? Or did you ever have that as an obstacle? And if you could just touch on that real quick, I guess. Like as far as, as, as maybe having a little doubt and, and fear in what I'm doing, or is it, is it kind of doubt related? Yeah, I guess like, you know, just initially, like, and it was, you kind of already touched on like I'm saying, but like, you know, when yeah. you first came in and stuff and you were saying, I'm going to, I'm going to do these crazy things that, you know, but you didn't really have all the skill sets, like, but you were still so like, you still committed to it. You were still like, you know, basically like, I don't know if I can do this, but I'm going to do it anyways. And they, yeah. they just thought you could do it anyways. So like, what made you overcome that obstacle to now just be like, I can do it no matter what? It, it was a lot of honesty. I mean, it, a lot of people say fake it till you make it. And there is a degree of that, you know, when someone like when someone asked me to do the first website, I was like, absolutely. Website, not a problem. And then I was on the phone, you know, five minutes after that, like, hey, hey, Dan, how the hell do I build a website? Um, uh, so there is a little bit of that, but a lot of it's just been solved through honesty. Like all the new stuff we do, like HR and recruiting, for example, I'll just go to Dylan and be like, hey, Dylan we want to try to give you a new HR system. Do we know what we're doing? Absolutely not. Do we have any experience? Absolutely not. But we think it's going to work and we're not going to charge you. We're just going to try this out and see how it goes. Just total transparency, total honesty. So then there's, there's, there's not that fear of being found out or anything like that. If you're just being honest with people. Um, so I've been able to solve a lot of that issue just through, through honesty. And that's one of our, our values is leadership through transparency. Just be brutally transparent with people. And that's like our sales conversations too. Like, hey, this is what dollar amount makes sense for our business. What makes sense for your business? How do we meet in the middle? And not trying to just sit there and screw the other guy out of as much money as possible so you can put more money in your pocket. It just doesn't make sense. So I've tried to, to get around that uncertainty, that unease just by being honest with people and saying, I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm gonna work my ass off and try to figure it out for you. I mean, I just had a, I just had an email to to a, a company uh, this weekend. Uh, it was the owner of a big equipment company out of Indiana. He said, "Hey, you know, I'm looking to target these mining operations. Do you have a map of of all these mines? Do you know where they're at?" I looked around for a while. There, there's no such thing. And I told him that I was like, "Honestly, Abe, I don't have anything like that. I don't think it exists." But here's, I'm, but but I didn't just leave it there. Here are all the other things that I think you could do. Here, I mean, here's X, Y, Z. Here, if I were in your position, this is exactly what I would do. Is it a little bit more complicated than just having a list handed to you on a platter? Absolutely, but but just putting in that effort. And he even said, you know, responded to the email, like, I see you guys just, you know, that wasn't the answer I was expecting, but I see you guys put in 150%. And it's like, exactly. I spent a few hours on that damn email because I knew it would have that impact on him. Um, so that's how I've got around it. And honestly, I don't want to be, I don't want to act like I'm not scared shitless every single day. I'm scared shitless every single day. I mean, I, like I said, it's fear is a huge motivator. I'm terrified. I'm terrified of running out of money, terrified of having to lay people off. I'm terrified of, of failing. I'm terrified of not delivering what we're saying we're going to deliver. I mean, it's a huge motivator for me. It's, and it's not a negative motivator. It's that fear drives a lot of what I do. Um, so it is, you just kind of have to be okay with being scared shitless too. Cause it, again, it's, that's exactly where I'm at to this day. And it's going to be like that a long time because even when you, you, you kind of level up, and it's like, you keep, you keep telling yourself like, you know, when I get to X amount of millions, 
that's when, that's when I'm going to have it all figured out. And then you get, to, you get to X amount of millions and you're spending it even faster than when you had less money. So it's like, you're even, you're even more broke when you have more money and you're like, oh, how, oh, how is this, how is this possible? And it's because you're growing and you're growing and you're growing. So every time you level up, you're at a new level and now you have to spend more money. Now you have to, you have to operate faster and, and be more aggressive. And it's just constant, constant, constant. So um, it, it's, you're, you're always going to be scared unless you're taking your foot off the gas, but I don't think I'll be there for a while. I love that, dude. Thanks so much. That was, that was unreal. Good stuff. Yeah. Allison, Ms. Brunel, you got a question. Yeah. So thanks for being here. Um, super impressed. And I think most of us have had an experience with either student painters or something else where we kind of understand the value of, having the right people in place for your business to actually work and start getting off the ground. And I'm just wondering like what those first positions were, like who those first people were that really made it work for you. And if they were specific to the niche of like the dirt world, or if it was more like things that you didn't know about at all kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, so when I, when I started out early on, we used contractors, um, just contract labor because it's, it's, you can turn it on, you can turn it off. Um, so we, we, we took a lot of, a lot of care, like people kind of treat contractors like shit. They were like, Oh, they're just, they use them as like, they're like numbers on a page. They're not humans. It's like, Oh, they're still humans. So, um, even though we were using contractors trying to take advantage of that model, the flexibility it provided, um, we still paid them very quickly. We wanted to, we, we, we wanted to just be the best people that they worked with. Absolutely. I mean, just, just hit it out of the park, communicated with them well. Take, took care of them well, appreciated them, sent you thank, sent them thank you cards, you know, Christmas cards, birthday cards, that kind of thing. And so when the time came uh, to hire people full time, we kind of already had a little bit of a roster of people that we had worked with, and we we already knew who the A players were and who weren't. And so we phased out, you know, who weren't the A players, and then we've we've hired on full time the people that have really kicked ass at a contract level which has been really great. So you're, it's, it's way more dynamic than just interviewing someone and trying to figure out who they are. It's just, it's not possible. There's, there's a thousand books on it saying it's kind of not possible. Um, so instead we work with them already and, and get to learn about who they are, see if they take initiative, this and that. If they don't, we don't even waste our time. Like, listen, like it's been great working with you, but we're going to go in a different direction. So the first, first hire was actually a videographer. I wanted a videographer. So I told myself when I can afford it, I'm going to get a videographer. And uh, he worked with us on a project. The first project, he got stuck in the airport in Dallas. So I had to sleep overnight in the airport in Dallas. And then we were going to Richmond, Virginia. I had to leave to Roanoke, which is a three-hour drive from Richmond, because I had still had a job to do, even though he was stuck in the airport. He, he shows up in Richmond, gets in an Uber. Uber's three hours, because he can't get a rental car, to where we are, shows up, and just starts shooting immediately. So it's like, okay, like, that's a guy, that's a guy I'd love to work with. And he's, he's the one going on the trip with me in, in a few weeks doing our video work. Um, Chell, he was our second one. Uh, he, he worked again contract. He did a lot of video work. He was in the construction industry. So he's one of the few that actually has a construction background. He was working at his parents or uh, family's construction business in Utah. We lured him away. But the interesting thing is most everyone does not have a construction background. Um, we're trying to keep a little bit of that. I do want some people to really understand construction, but a lot of people um don't have that background and they've been they've been able to learn it and it's kind of fun being able to teach it and bring people out on job sites for the first time uh ever and i guess 
the, the third hire was uh, Dan, who was my, my former boss. He was the vice president of marketing at um, HCSS. So he's the one that gives us a hell of a lot of credibility that I, I can't even touch. I mean, I, there's conversations that I have no business being in, even as the owner of the company. And I, just the other day, there was this vice president of this big company reached out saying, hey, you know, I want to talk about this, this, this. And I was like, listen, I'm not trying to just blow you off but I'm not the best guy to talk about this. Like you really need to talk, talk to Dan because Dan, you know, former Marines, he was in, you know, healthcare sales at multiple companies. He's in, you know, executive level. Um, but we had to be kind of creative on his pay. We couldn't even afford him for the first two years, full, full time. So we just had to be clever with how we structured his, his pay. And, and it was largely just a lot of promises like, Hey, all right. In a few months, we'll be able to get you a little bit more money. In a few months, we'll be able to get you a little bit more money up until we got him to where he needs to be. And now, you know, I'm keeping my promise. Like I told you, I was going to get you this amount of money. You put in your time. You nearly ran yourself out of money, your whole family out of money to be part of this company. Now I'm going to take care of you and pay you way more money than I make. Uh, and I'm okay with that. So, but I guess going back to how we hire, it's just really important to make sure people align with your values and, and, and you people you get along with. I just, I want to work with people I get along with. I don't want to work with assholes. I don't want to work with people I don't like. I don't want to work with people I don't trust and I don't need to. I own the damn company. I can hire who I want to hire. Um, so we've just, we've really defined, you know, what's important to us and made sure everyone we bring on is, is a damn good worker, understands our mission and, and fits our values. Right on, Aaron. I love this. So, hey, we're coming up on time. I got two last kind of, I guess, fun questions for you. And then one serious one. Uh, just out of curiosity, I know you've traveled literally the planet for the role that you've had. I've seen you out in like as far as like Saudi Arabia. Do what were what's the coolest thing you've experienced while traveling abroad? Just out of curiosity, the coolest project you've been on. Yeah, Saudi Arabia is it was wild. A company reached out on social media, like on Instagram, like they, they, they sent me a DM on Instagram and it was like, you know, Caterpillar of Saudi Arabia or this and that. I was like, ah, screw these guys. Like, it's just bullshit. Cause I get you know, all these nonsense messages from the Middle East and from Asia. And it, it, you're just like, I, I just don't even want to waste time. And then, and then I get an email from these guys like, Hey, we've been trying to reach you. Why are you messaging back? Like, we really want to work with you. Turns out the, the, you know, this, the Saudi Arabian Caterpillar dealer, it's a state-owned company, so it's just one Caterpillar dealer for the entire country of Saudi Arabia. Like they wanted me out to take pictures at, at their remote mining operations, and it was, it was absurd. It was over 100 hours of just travel within a seven-day period, so it just it wiped me out. But it would be – I would wake up at like 3 in the morning, get on a plane, fly to some other city in Saudi Arabia from the, from the capital, from where I was at, get, get a rental car, drive like six hours in the middle of – absolutely nowhere with a guy that cannot speak English. So you just sit there and then you get out to these mining operations. It's like an aluminum mining operation, bauxite operation in just the middle of nowhere, 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 nowhere. I mean, you didn't see a single person for four hours while you're driving out here. And it's just awesome because it, you're just like, it's hot, it's harsh, it's, it's, it's remote. And you're shooting something that's never, that no one has ever taken a picture of before. You're taking the first pictures of whatever you're looking at. It's like, you, you know, like Lewis and Clark, you're just like, you discovered this amazing, at least in, in most people would not view a mining operation in Saudi Arabia as like a beautiful place. But for me, it's super exciting. So just being able to go to that remote place and then getting paid for it was, was wild. And just having the realization, like, listen, 
a company halfway around the world found you to take their pictures, that means you were at the top of your game with what you do, which was pretty cool. It was like a little bit of validation, um, you know, behind all the work I'd put in. Dude, is there any way, this is my last question. Is there any way to get some build wit swag? Do you guys sell any swag? Yeah, we, we have a, we actually just launched a store a few weeks ago after blowing people off for two years saying, Oh yeah, it's, we'll have it done next week. We actually got around to it. Uh, so yeah, we have like hard hat stickers and, and hats and, and some canvas prints in my photos and we're going to start adding to it as we go. So, so let's actually, to wrap that up, man, how do people get uh, in touch with you? How do they follow you? Where are you at on Instagram, all these platforms? If you want to throw, throw that out us real quick in the podcast, give us a little bit about it. Yeah. Uh, so you can follow us like uh, LinkedIn. I post all the time. I mean, and, and for you guys, LinkedIn is the best sales tool we have. We've, we've made millions of dollars via LinkedIn. So if you're not using LinkedIn, I'd highly recommend it. Um, and, and it's not doing anything crafty or anything. I just post on there, share my thoughts and pictures and people resonate with it. Um, build with on Instagram. If you want your Instagram feed spammed with tractor photos. Um, if you don't, I don't blame you. And, uh, and then we started a dirt talk podcast. So it's called dirt talk. Um, we have, Oh, probably like, I think we're past 50,000 downloads now, which is sweet. Uh, but it's, it's me interviewing a lot of the companies we work with, a lot of the owners of all the companies we work with and just having the same conversation, uh, I guess we, we just had here, you know, how'd you get started? Uh, what are the struggles you, you face day to day? So it's construction, uh, dirt roll focused cause that's what the businesses are, but it's, it's just general business, uh, business lessons too. So that's been a lot of fun and it's, it's more so for me than anyone else. Cause I just get to talk to these guys for an hour, hour and 15 minutes, talk to them about all the lessons that they've learned and then go apply them to my own business, which is pretty cool. Love it. Aaron, if you could stick around for six seconds, I'm going to get everyone out of here. We are out of time. Thank you guys for coming in on Monday and let's all thank Aaron on our way out. That was awesome. I had a lot of fun with that one. Thanks Aaron so much for being here. Yeah. Thanks, thanks for having me. Thanks so much. I think I speak for everyone that just got through this whole podcast. That was awesome. Special thanks to Aaron Witt uh, for joining us, especially on short notice here. Uh, it was an absolute blast, and I'm so excited to follow his journey uh, ever more closely here uh, as we head into the 2020s. If you want to get a hold of him and if you want to follow him on social media, he's most active on LinkedIn and Instagram. You can find him at Aaron Witt, W-I-T-T, on LinkedIn. You can also find him on Instagram, Build Witt, that's B-U-I-L-D, W-I-T-T. And I think one of the most fascinating things about his Instagram is that it is literally pictures of big tractors, big trailers, and it's pretty cool. Check out his podcast, Dirk Talk. Uh, like you said, there are over 50,000 downloads. It's not only a construction podcast oriented, a lot of great business advice. I mean, this is, this is the construction world is certainly um, unlike any other, but also just like any other business, so many lessons with it. Uh, I want to support Aaron in any way that I can because he supported us here. Uh, so make sure you check out Dirt Talk, check out his uh, social media, and follow this guy. He's going to be making waves over the coming years. Thank you so much for listening to us. Let's get after people, um, and I will talk to you here soon. And take a look out for our next live group discussion call that should be released here over the weekend. Again, thank you so much for the support. Rate, review, subscribe. Talk to you guys soon.